Radio Lockdown is a Neptune podcast. Let's throw all of our previous two seasons in the bin, set the bin on fire, record the sound of the bin on fire. That is the baseline for the new podcast. That that beautiful crackling noise you hear, uh, that is the sound of a new era. Man, that went up quick. Everything is so finite. It turns out that our work was highly flammable, and I don't know what that says about it. Is that a is that a high quality? Is that it a low quality? It was straight thing? fire. <laughs> <laughs> it made a it made a haunted scream as it burnt. But now we are here officially. Radio lockdown season three. A radio lockdown movie night. Hey. I think that's what I'm calling it. Radio lockdown movie night. Mm-hmm. Maybe in season four we'll do something else. <laughs> Maybe. Who knows? We are so versatile as creators. Have you been writing a lot of resume shit? Usually when I talk about versatility, I've been doing resumes. Speaking of versatility, Zack Snyder. Wait, no, that doesn't <laughs> That doesn't apply. Ah, okay, so let's set this up. We decided, yes, we were going to analyse a film that had some COVID elements to it. How good, you say? How concerning, I say, that Justin demonstrated what the new season was going to be looking like with a spreadsheet of terror. A terrifying spreadsheet, an ominous spreadsheet, (laughs) one that should inspire much fear and wailing and gnashing of teeth. And top of the list was this week's movie of choice, the 2021 Zack Snyder film Army of the Dead. A sequel? What? No, it's not. It's a spiritual successor to Dawn of the Dead, which was Zack Snyder's first film. Mm. But it's not really. I mean, I haven't seen Dawn of the Dead. I don't imagine this has much to do with it. Maybe that would explain why there's so much focus spent on these fundamentally very similar characters. (laughs) But we'll get into that. Darcy, what did you think of Zack Snyder's 2021 film Army of the Dead? I did not care for it. Darcy, I'm shocked to hear this. But, Justin, you chose this movie. I would like you to give me some sentences to justify that, and then we can jump right in. I will give you some sentences and say at the top of the show, we are going to spoil the plot of Army of the Dead. This is going to be a breakdown of Army of the Dead, as much as it is a thrilling social commentary that Zach has uh, brought to us. Can I call him Zach? I feel like we're that familiar at this point. Y'all buddies, right? Wikipedia describes it as a zombie heist film, and I think that that is really all you need to know. It is epic. Zack Snyder has never made anything small scale, but... You're not saying it right. It's epic, bro. It's grandiose, broad in scale and in intent. It is... A heist movie, and it includes assembling a crew, Scott Ward's Eleven, led by Dave Batista, a burger flipper. Being a chef belies the fact that he got the Medal of Freedom for saving the Secretary of State, but then he turned down the medal. So he was a civilian. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. I didn't follow this bit. This bit could have been fleshed out a little bit more to make it just like three sentences would have really worked for me. My perception of it was... He was just an average dude, I think, living in Las Vegas. Uh, Zombie virus hits. He graphically has to kill his wife on screen. 
Uh-huh. As one does during a zombie apocalypse, he develops a certain set of zombie killing skills. He becomes part of like a renegade, not even a renegade, just like a posse of humans that survive. And they, as they're trying to escape, also manage to pull with them because the army is in there by that point. They also manage to pull with them the Secretary of Defense or whoever it is. So I think it was like a civilian force that merged with the military and then they were like, here, have some honors. But also, you're not actually of the military. You won't get a pension. You definitely won't get the therapy you obviously need. There are a lot of conversations in this movie that seem to be trying to be a surrogate for therapy, but they are not effective. I do want to talk about that later, but what really got me was this movie was so goddamn long, it makes... No sense that they did not explain that better. Like, there are so many moments where you're like, how is this the scene you chose to keep? Also, this could have been 120 minutes. Didn't need to be this. It feels like it goes forever. The amount of time they spent painstakingly introducing this crew of working class heroes. You spend longer setting up who they are than spending time with them actually doing stuff and fighting zombies. So much of this movie is told outside of action, which makes it a bad action movie. But to run through them very quickly, we have a mechanic, a swim instructor, a YouTube influencer, and some of his groupies. We have a German man who is a safe cracker slash locksmith fellow. They have to break into Las Vegas where the zombie apocalypse has taken over the city and they have to do it before a nuclear bomb, the only reasonable solution as addressed by Sean Spicer, which we're not even going to get to, but but Sean Spicer's in this movie. And (laughs) he says they're going to drop a nuclear bomb on Las Vegas. And before then, Tanaka has sent all of these people in to the city to rob the vault of his casino. So he got paid out by the insurance company $200 million. Right, 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 right. He's like, that money's just sitting there. You go in and get it for me, and you get, like, I think $50 million as a cut, and then you disperse it amongst your team as you want. You've given us a really good summary. Justin, what you haven't done is explain how this relates to your COVID experience. I'm going to do that. I do need <laughs> to talk about Tignataro. <laughs> I need to talk about Tignataro because, holy shit, Tignataro redeemed this film for me. So, for those of you that don't know the backstory for this, do you know this one, Darcy, the backstory for... I know bits of it. So, I'll give a very brief summary. The original actor that was going to play the role of the helicopter pilot in this film was actor Krista Elia, or Krista Ilia. He was then accused of sexual misconduct uh, involving a 17-year-old girl... Uh, not great, they brought in Tignataro to single-handedly save this film. They CGI'd her into all of her scenes. I think they did some retakes with other actors, but primarily she is acting against nobody and doing the best job of anyone in this film. It's sort of like if you took a frat bro character played by a frat bro comedian and you wrote queer fanfic about your movie, and then you made that the canon instead. Yes. Look, you've hit the nail on the head, but I took a front because, I mean, all of these characters make choices that I don't necessarily think track. But at the end, this frat bro pilot just for no reason says, oh, I developed a conscience 
and comes back for the in the longest conversation. Anyway, we're gonna get there. <laughs> That's towards the end of this film. Why COVID? Mm-hmm. This film is most generally it's about a a plague, an infestation, an apocalyptic series of scenes. It's also about how people work together to overcome adversity. It's also about how the state responds to issues with various levels of military control, totalitarianism. Mm. Basically, what's happened to Las Vegas is the actual city of Las Vegas is off limits. They've basically given Las Vegas to the zombies. And outside of that, there is a quarantine zone where... People that are suspected of having been infected in Las Vegas are not allowed to travel beyond that zone. So they all live in camps outside the city. In addition, the city was evacuated in a massive rush, and some of them still have, like, what if my family member is still in the city? So you've got this whole railroad trying to work under the government's nose to try and get people into the city. And that is going to be our party's inroad into the city as well via the coyote. They literally have a coyote, like, to get across the border. Yeah. I did want to talk about this in terms of COVID because I did think that there were two real points where I thought, oh, that cuts close. Like, oh, that's actually quite solid. And one was... There is a scene in the refugee camps where someone is checking their temperature. And honestly, I went a little bit cold. Like, I went a bit fluttery. Because we've obviously been very lucky where we are geographically. But I've had the thermometer stuck at my forehead. And it's to have a sense memory of something that you see that is a very, very charged situation. Ours was, mine was very low stakes, again, geographically pretty good where we are. Yeah, yeah. But to have that um, visceral shared experience with someone that's in a very precarious situation was really, really interesting. It's also used to introduce a character moment where there is an abuse of power against one of the characters that we're sympathizing with and it is very heavy-handed oh. I'm, i don't want to pretend that this scene is masterpiece theater but it's basically the guard at the refugee camp who um takes advantage of his position to sexually assault the um, refugee women and later some bad stuff happens to him and you're like yeah actually actually not as late in the film as you would expect which i really enjoyed yeah like pretty immediately you don't have to deal with this character for too much of the film i feel like i should reassure people oh yeah they basically sacrifice him to the alpha zombies for safe passage because it's that type of movie all of a sudden the coyote does have a moment where she's like fuck yeah like that's the i've been waiting to do that forever and you're like yeah woo But she then goes on to explain, ah, the sacrifices, they take them away, and then the alpha zombie bites them, and they become alpha zombies. And I'm like, you idiots, did you just the mummy this fucking rapist? Yeah, and- (laughs) You took him away, you cut out Imhotep's tongue, you put a curse on him, and if he rises, he will rise more powerful than ever, like idiots! (laughs) There's another scene where they talk about the- (laughs) The president deciding not to blow up Las Vegas with a low payload nuke on the 4th of July, because even though that would be really cool and kind of patriotic if you think about it, that was, like, had that been solidly within the Trump era, that would have been way too scary. I would have been like, oh, absolutely not. Don't don't even joke about that. Ultimately, the 
president came to the pressures to move the date of the bombing off of the holiday. This marked a reversal of his earlier position that dropping the nuke on the 4th would be, quote, really cool and the ultimate fireworks show, and quote, actually kind of patriotic if you think about it. Due to fears that mounting anger from humanitarian groups would cause the bombing to be postponed indefinitely, the administration has made the dramatic choice to not postpone the bombing, but rather to move it up by a full 24 hours. <sighs> Scheduled drop time now coming at sunset tonight. Sweet Stay with us. Counting down to the detonation for the next hour and a half. Checking back with us here. Well, this film was written during the Trump era. It was written in 2019. Yeah, yeah. And you can definitely see that when when they said, oh, we're going to blow it up on the 4th of July. I'm like, hey, no, they wouldn't. <laughs> Wait. Had it been just months prior that I was watching it, I would be like, not cool, guys. Why are you, why are you putting that out there? It's a single entendre film, <laughs> but it, it is at least trying to say something with all its glitz and viscera as with so many movies that are way too long i think this has a really good hour and a half long movie in it somewhere it's it's a horror film with uh, sorry it's an action film with horror aspirations i guess like it really is doing all of this homage work i guess to to different horror movies and it's really interesting as well snyder is not the first to use I guess the Greek mythology that is weirdly common in Las Vegas and also an apocalyptic setting. So there are alpha zombies and the head guy is called Zeus and then the queen is just called the queen, not Hera, even though that thematically would make a mess of sense. Although she looks a lot more like Medusa, especially when it's just her head. Zack Snyder is great at having fun with a villain. I really do respect that. Oh, did you respect the the magic zombie baby? <laughs> it looked delicious is all I'm saying. It, it was made of like a blue goo and I'm like, yeah. Forbidden jelly. <laughs> it went gross and I was like, oh, I don't want to eat that anymore. You know what was great though? Because he does like to have fun with his villains. It's almost fantasy stuff that he gets into because he's like, there's a king and a queen and they're building like a thing and they have a community and... The queen is wearing this like bejeweled gown with like these spiky bits on it, and you're like, "That's bullshit." And then you remember they're in Las Vegas, and you're like, "Oh, that's actually, yeah, no, that that tracks. Yeah, well done. Have your cake, eat it too." The the saber toothed tiger, ah, uh, called Valentine. See now there is there is elements of a good movie here. He needed a good editor and a good good tune up of the script because that tiger was fun. That tiger, incidentally, for fans of Tiger King, was sourced from Carol Baskin. (laughs) This is the most quarantine movie I've ever seen. See what I mean? You've got a Me Too movement. You've got a crazy Trump dictator. You've got immigration. You've got plagues. You've got some weird fantasy escapism bullshit. You got some people talking about freedoms that you get very concerned about. You're like, oh gosh, I really hope you guys would wear a mask in like real life though, right? Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> ah, my freedom's being trampled on. Can we just circle back to that? Because like freedom to leave this like quarantine zone when you're not well, that's good. Freedom to do what you're doing with a gun, sir? I have questions. <laughs> a lot of zombie movies do have the sense of well, the real zombies are like the average person. Wake up, sheeple. Like, there's an element of that. You know, what did get me yeah, about this was, like, it's obviously, you know, it's a, a bit like the Fast and Furious. You got people from all different demographics, which is 
part of their long sustained success is that you have that representation uh, you just have some fun with it you make big thumb fun movies that people like to go see i maintain that you can make a good film with 11 people doing a heist that's what's getting me because i i keep on remembering i'm like you can't do that and then i go guardians of the galaxy you introduced like a bunch of new characters you cared about them you wanted them to do well they were lovable misfits and he's obviously going for a lovable misfit thing here but i kind of hated all these characters a little bit the point of comparison i was going to make was to oceans 11 (laughs) yes that's much more logical but the curious thing about that is (laughs) in oceans 11 and maybe it's just because i watched the movie a lot admittedly i remember every single character and i also remember what role they performed in the heist and i think the role in the heist is really important oceans 11 real quick you have george clooney who is the face you have brad pitt who's Okay, also the face. The body, it's arguable. No, the, the other guy's the body, because he can squish up to turn his... <laughs> Brad Pitt also has a lot of, like, crime connections and stuff, so he just, like, knows how to find all the people. He's always eating an apple. You have Matt Damon, who's a pickpocket. You have the two brothers that like blowing shit up, and they're also good at distractions. You have Don Cheadle, who's good at explosives. You have... Is it Bernie Mac, who works inside the casino? You have... Like, Okay, I won't do the entire thing. But the point is, every single person has a reason for being a part of the heist. With all of the people in this zombie film, you get, this person's really good at killing zombies. This person's quite good at killing zombies. I saw this person online killing zombies. But... You do have a helicopter pilot, and you do have a locksmith. That's about it. You do have the relationship between the philosopher and the locksmith. I ship them. I wish they'd lived happily ever after. As much as this film is busted, I think that it is the talent of these... It says a lot for the talent of these actors that it is as watchable as it is. Can Batista carry a movie? Because I got question marks. Nobody who's watched the movie Stuba <laughs> could possibly could possibly doubt that. I think he really does play a good sidekick. He's really good at playing morally complex characters where you're not sure whether you should side with them. And this film really needs you to side with its lead and empathize with them because you have to want to go with them on the heist and not just be like, well, why the fuck are you risking this for money? This is why I'm such a contrary character. As soon as you're being like, no, I'm like, no, he had, he had some moments when just before I was like, nah, I don't think he did it. He does have moments, but I think a heist movie, if what you're stealing, unless you, you could have had him stealing the antidote or something, right? And then you don't actually have to invest in him emotionally because you invest in the well-being of all of these people so he's just the most capable person but if he's stealing money then you have to care about what he's going to do with that money and what everyone else in the group is going to do with the money and in this movie i found myself investing a lot more in the side characters because i was like well the i'm really interested in knowing what the quirky german dude does with the money when he gets out or something you know, lovely no doubt he and the philosopher would have been great friends this movie not as much as other snyder stuff but it was still very grim dark at points and you know every movie wants to be christopher nolan's batman since you know the mid 2000s you gotta let it go guys and it's really nice to have someone with a sense of humor and some some real energy and again going back to the villains as well like 
wow, the, the energy that is brought there, even by these non-verbal characters, um, you've got these amazing panning villain shots. You've got these Renaissance paintings of crowds of zombies with this, you know, baby being held aloft above them. And you've got these, you know, the, the, the pool room scene, gorgeous, gorgeous. Uh, that means shit if I don't care about them, Justin. But yes, you make a good point. Things can be pretty without you giving a shit about them. Look at me. <laughs> Sorry, go on. It feels, it feels so mean to come out and just, just sit on what is obviously just like a popcorn movie. But like parts of it I did enjoy, but parts of it I found nasty, like mean. My favorite zombie movie is 28 Days Later because it has Killian Murphy. What a dreamboat. Uh, and. Just an excellent cast. It's also on the list. It's in the spreadsheet. I'm not spoiling anything. I'll just say that the end is hopeful, which horror doesn't generally do. This one at the end of it follows the pretty traditional, oh, everything's fine. Like the person that you want to escape, escaped. Oh, wait, the hand reaches up from the grave or, you know, the person's not dead, blah, blah, blah. He's still in the house. All those things. Horror has a tradition of this and it's fine. But my favorite horror movies are usually ones with the closed ending where you're like, oh, the thing died. In this, the person that you want to succeed, he bit. (laughs) And the mother of the children died. There were these two kids in a refugee camp. The main character, uh, Batista's, daughter works in the refugee camp and she was helping the mother of these two children the mother went into las vegas to try and get money to get these kids out to get them a better life blah 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 and the daughter goes in to try and um, find this mother who's gone missing this is also a way that Zack snyder manages to create tension in this film because there wasn't enough from a zombie apocalypse and an imminent nuclear strike. Yeah, he should have just gone straight up heist. They also needed to have interpersonal petty bullshit with Batista's daughter going in to rescue her friend that she knew from the refugee camp, which admittedly is a good plot, but there are just about five or six movies here. The thing that that was really rough for me is that that mum in the end dies. That, that is super tropey to have the survivors be kids and a parent that is not their parent Mm. and then them getting paired up. That's just bullshit. Why do you have to keep on killing mums? Stop killing mums. In the first five minutes and the last five minutes, he was like, hey, you know who has to die? That woman who has a child who relies on her. Great. Yeah, and and then uh, there's a separate mum death because Batista kills his wife. Oh, and the zombie mum. Batista kills his wife, mum. Then the mum in the first five minutes, which is just brutal. There's this woman who's surviving, and she's like part of the civilian zombie attacking crew. She finds her kid, and then the last thing that they do before they shut off Las Vegas is they squish her with the last part of the wall that they drop. They squish her and Uh her daughter. Yes, because they needed more shock value, and also they hadn't killed enough mothers. I really like that it starts off pre 
zombie infestation and then it cuts to post-infestation. That's one of the things I actually really like about it. And it is fun to see like a zombie heist movie because it's fun to see, um, I think we've talked about this before, like if you keep on making movies in the Star Wars universe, why not make something of a different genre? If we're going to keep on making movies in the Avengers universe, don't make every movie the origin story. Like do something different. So um, Thor Ragnarok did something different. It was like, well, we're going to have a a wacky adventure. And like Thor Ragnarok, Zack Snyder can be fun when he uses colour. He used colour at least once. But one of the things that really strikes me about the style of this film is that there are a lot of useless conversations and then there are a lot of montages. Mm -hmm. And it feels like a lot of the content that is told through montage could just be told in normal length scenes if the conversations weren't so clunky. Like, I wrote in my notes, this movie could just be called Why Are You Having This Conversation Now, The Movie? (laughs) And hand in hand with that is no one seems to be able to have a conversation while doing anything with their hands. They, if you are in... If we've learned anything from Game of Thrones, you just have two people fucking while you explain something. You have a sexplanation. Thank you for that sound effect as well there, Darcy. You... I was really proud of it. Darcy does her own stunts. I don't need to, I don't need to edit it all. That's just in the background now. Um, that was Darcy clapping her hands. Uh, by the way, just for our listeners, she did not just bring in a cameo guest. Um, We're Zooming today. That would have been really, really uncomfortable on a bunch of levels. It would have been, but for the joke, it almost would have been worth it. The thing is that no character, and and this is exemplified in the helicopter scene that you mentioned before, but they're fighting zombies and they all pause periodically to just chat about their feelings. If you're fighting someone and then you just like stop punching for a bit and you just turn to someone and you're like, so I've been thinking a lot about your mother and you know, I didn't mean to kill her, right? Like I, I didn't want to, but she was like a zombie now. It's fine. I just didn't understand why you stopped talking to me. Oh, well, I thought you were mad at me. I am now because you're not punching these fucking zombies. You know what I did like about his, the main character's through line, right? Because the main character, Scottwood. Scottwood. The new, the new cardinal point, Scottwood. What I did enjoy is that he had two people separately tell him that he had grievously misunderstood a situation and all he would have needed to have done to clear them up to have led a much better life would have been to just like quick 30 second conversation with both of them not even talk just send some like texts is it the mechanic she's like hey i didn't come here for the money i like money but i came because i'm in love with you and he's like uh what and she's like i really would have hoped you would have picked that up by now and immediately dies because this is a bad movie. It was a cool death scene, like her um her like spine popped out and like someone Darcy is currently miming her spine popping out of her neck. In the way that in the recent Mortal Kombat movies they were cool deaths, you know, like, fatality. But it was a disservice to a character. She she seemed like a nice enough lady. But then yeah, the scene where his daughter is like, Hey, yeah, maybe if you just like chatted to me, I understood why you had to kill our zombie like, my zombie mom, your zombie wife, because she was a zombie. I got that. I worked through that. This is a medical crisis. And they're just like, hey, I've checked your temperature. Also, in terms of medically speaking, a virus that is transmitted through bite, 
is very, very difficult to keep transmitting. So rabies, not a very, very dangerous, but not very successful at spreading because anybody who's played Plague knows it's much easier to transmit something that's airborne, right? If you're biting someone, that means you start acting all crazy and then you have a period of infection. They would have had medical professionals determining what that infection period would be. And if your temperature was clear, it's a lot easier to ship those people out and get them the fuck out of the camps that the government has to be running. Incidentally, uh, I don't know how good it is as a research tool, but the video game Plague Inc. did have an uptick in sales and was for a while the most popular mobile game at the start of the pandemic. Well deserved. For this exact reason. It was great. And you're absolutely right. Like, as a transmission vector, bite is not very effective. Same as, you know, part of the criticism reflecting on the early days of the COVID pandemic is that there was too much focus paid to hand sanitizer and washing hands and fomite surface transmission and not enough to wearing masks and airborne pathogens and that sort of uh, component, and we're actually seeing a lot in in the United States, especially research kind of indicates that transmission is actually incredibly low in open air environments, whereas when you're in a building with someone, there's a lot higher risk. And obviously when you're in close proximity with someone for longer, you're going to have higher risk as well. Um, but it's just really interesting, yeah, that, that this film... I guess it tries to account for that. I think because you just you just had Trump, so you would almost believe, yeah, this would just become one big enormous fucking ghetto and everything would be terrible and very mismanaged. In the absence of government assistance, you would have one group of people being like, actually, I want to be big and strong. What are you going to wimp out and not get bitten by the zombie guy? For all the criticism I have of it, like, I really, I actually enjoyed this movie. Maybe it was because I was taking notes during the film so I, at any point where it got slow i just wrote about what had happened for the past several scenes so it's actually the perfect thing to do to, for a, i want to share a, a few notes here because i have covered off most of this but it is fun to say uh piece of shit rapist get got <laughs> yeah and the zombie baby look like fancy candy <laughs> that's that's some solid note taking if i've ever seen some oh i didn't finish my thought before there we go so i'm reading from my notes uh the apocalyptic Las Vegas, I was specifically going to reference the Fallout games, but that's okay. We we didn't need to get to that point. What else have I said? Um, oh, I did really like that when they did have the... I've, I've very rarely seen a zombie movie with a chief villain zombie. I really... Like uh, the, I Am Legend, the, but they didn't commit to the bit. Well, I haven't seen that yet, and we're going <gasps> to. We're oh, going to. Have, that's a future episode. all of them. Get excited, guys. We're going to do an I Am Legend extravaganza. There are three adaptations, three movie adaptations that are all called different things. You have to appreciate how fun this is because neither Justin nor I are very good at watching horror movies. So <laughs> no, <laughs> what we no, are doing indeed. to ourselves and what we're embarking on is genuinely stupid. <laughs> I mean, admittedly, we're also going to watch some movies that are not horror movies. And importantly... I should note, uh, you can email us and suggest movies. Justin, we'd love to put it on his pretty little list in his pretty little columns. I would love to... Put a pretty little tick next to it. Whatever that was. Uh, I 
I would love to watch movies that you want to listen to us talk about. Basically, like there's there's no point us doing this if, if we're watching movies that no one gives two shits about. Uh, which is why I started with Army of the Dead because at the very least it is contemporary. Neptune today at gmail dot com. If you have any movie suggestions for us, how would you rate this? Not as a movie. Okay, we've we've shared our thoughts about it as a movie. Neither of us particularly enjoyed it, but let's do our segment that I am tentatively calling a COVID check-in. <laughs> How do you think this film is as an accidental or deliberate representation of COVID? And like, how much is it improved by a pandemic just having happened? I think that this is, uh, and we've touched on it already, a movie very much of its time in that in the last, what, year and a half, two years now, We've had things that this movie ch- ticks off, basically Trumpism, uh, medical crisis, genuinely scary shit with the thermometer. Like, that genuinely freaked me out. Uh, me Too, big issues around immigration, um, big issues around immigration and illness. But it also captures some of that nastiness within America that you can experience when you're in that bitter edge when you are in that low socioeconomic um sort of bracket that you know you are being kicked down and you know you have to do it for yourself is the thing that they're talking about where especially where a totalitarian sort of like authority government isn't you know assisting you so much as shitting on you so yeah look like you say there are uh, several potential good movies in this and this certainly picked up on a lot of anxieties or a lot of experiences that amalgamated to make this, which unfortunately came out as a bit of a soup. But yeah, out of what, like a one to ten? In terms I don't know. Of we're we're making some... this up. This is a. Uh... <laughs> in terms of freaking me out about COVID all over again and the state of the universe, this is a solid. Fucking seven chills down my very sweaty spine all of a sudden. <laughs> I want to give it uh, just 11 bad heist members. Um, goodness. I, I didn't even list them all at the end. Because um, there's also... We haven't even talked about the security guard that was sent in because he worked for Tanaka. Yes. And then he wants to capture the zombie head so that he can synthesize it and weaponize the plague. Oh, it's um, it's train velociraptors crazy, yeah? Where they're like, oh, we'll make them into an army. You know you can't do that, right? <laughs> that's not how any of this... No, that's no... no. Don't... No. Um, so you gave it 11, 11 bad heist members. What would you say in terms of... Is that 11 out of 15? What's your scoring system I th- here? I think I'm just going to leave it at that, but um, I'm not <laughs> okay. going to... It's 11 heist members, but none of them are Julia Roberts, and therefore the whole movie is is a waste of time. What are we even watching this for? Exactly. I enjoyed the film more than I thought I would, possibly because I was eating dinner during it, possibly because I was doing other stuff. If you need a film to hang your laundry in front of, cut to 45 minutes into this and you'll have a great time. You won't miss too much either because they'll probably just stop and have a conversation and explain their motivation mid-film i have worked professionally as a reviewer (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah we meant to say that at the top justin professional reviewer over here he's very fancy 
oh, I'm so fancy. But also, that's not saying much because I've worked every job, including about half of the jobs that the heist crew have. I'm a helicopter pilot. I... Hang on. I I need to go to the list now. I'm probably going to cut this, but I need to check how many at the list. (laughs) He's Um, an editor. That was clearly someone that wasn't in on the heist. Well... (laughs) I have been a volunteer. I've flipped burgers. I'm a YouTube influencer. (laughs) (laughs) I am a daughter who volunteered. I'm just that little character. (laughs) Okay, you're back. back? back. Oh my goodness. You, You... teleported across the screen um it's wonderful yeah uh you i'm a daughter uh i sometimes i'm a people smuggler you know i i have many facets um what yeah we don't really have a way to wrap this up because it's all new (laughs) it's so new darcy (laughs) to be fair do we really have a way to wrap it up in the in the previous seasons we did. We I asked my final question of the show. It was all, all a. Right. It was like a legit bit. Um, I don't know. We've Look, done our ranking. Uh, should Darcy, we announce the next movie? Um, I will. I will let that just be a surprise for people. What I will say. Okay, here's my suggestion for an end bit. Darcy, you are a movie buff. You know good movies, or at least you know some good movies. You don't know every good movie ever made, but you know at least some. Mm, I've heard of What them. is the film you should watch instead of this that is a better execution of this idea? What should people watch? I think we've already name-checked both of them. If you want to watch a heist movie, go watch Ocean's Eleven. If you want to watch a zombie movie, go watch 28 Days Later. I think 28 Days Later gives you some hope, which fuck watching something about these nihilistic, Asshole characters. These are assholes, basically. I'm really hoping our next that. movie is not about nihilistic assholes. That would be very pleasant. Watch some people try to band together and and make some shit better. You know, watch Twenty Eight Days Later. Two plus hours for this piece of shit. What are you doing to me? <laughs> I did do this to you. I inflicted this movie on you, and I'm very sorry. Ah, no. Parts of it were good. We will find a less nihilistic thing. I'm thinking possibly Castaway. Castaway is at the very least one of our next films that I want to watch. And that is Tom Hanks dealing with pessimism and angst, but also ending up being Tom Hanks. Tom angst. Tom angst. If you want to hear some Tom angst, uh, come back next. Uh, <laughs> when we put out the next episode, Fortnite. I think we do these fortnightly. Yeah, we'll see you in an indeterminate time based on whatever. Stop asking so many questions. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, You know where to find our stuff because you found this well done. There's stuff in the show notes uh, where you can support us. Thank you so much for joining us, folks. We'll see you again at the movies. Hey! (laughs) You've been listening to Radio Lockdown, a Neptune podcast.